The treatment of pediatric pain, particularly chronic pain, is a complex issue. Practitioners must take into account the intersection of physiologic, socio-environmental, and psychological contexts. Many times it is difficult for primary care and specialty pediatricians to develop and execute a plan. That's why having a pediatric pain management specialist can be very helpful. This is a Cook Children's Podcast. Welcome to Pediatric Leadership, the new medicine with Dr. Justin Smith, helping physicians become innovators in medicine. Now, here's Dr. Justin Smith. Today's guest is Arthi Gandhi. She is a pediatric anesthesiologist and pain management specialist. She is trained across the country, including residency at the University of Missouri and fellowship at Stanford University. Thank you so much for coming on today. Thank you for having me. So tell me, you've, you, I've seen you've trained kind of all over the country. Uh, probably each place has its own different culture in regards to pediatric pain. And how has your been experience sort of seeing different places and, and moving throughout the country in regards to pediatric pain treatment? So um, interestingly enough, there um, are not very many pediatric pain centers in the country. There's a total of 35 in the entire United States. So if you were to look at Fort Worth, you would probably find 60 adult pain clinics just in our county alone, but in the entire country, there's only 35. So there's not um, a wide variety of clinics to really get a lot of good experience. And Stanford was one of the first places to develop a pediatric pain center. And my mentor there was Dr. Elliot Crane, who's very well-versed and has done many publications and has done TED Talks. So the experience there was great. And it taught me the importance of what I would call multidisciplinary pain management. And that means taking a group of people or a team of people and helping these kids that suffer with chronic pain. So we're not relying just on one quick fix or one magical pill or one single shot, but we're looking at the whole child in their environment and in their uh, sociocultural context. We're looking at where their pain is coming from, and we're trying to treat it and target it in as many different ways as we can through diet and exercise and sleep hygiene and stress management, and then medications if appropriate and interventions if appropriate. So being at Stanford really helped for me to hone in on that process and learn about the the importance of, of looking at the whole child and the whole family when it comes to treating their pain. And when you came to Cook Children's, you started the program, is that right? Or was there someone here before you doing what you do? Correct. No, when I came here um, about seven years ago, we had no pain service at all, neither inpatient nor outpatient. So the anesthesiologist would sometimes see some patients in the hospital if they had had surgery and there was something difficult that they needed some management with. But there was no outpatient clinic at all. Since I've been here, we've started a full outpatient clinic where we have two physicians. We have a team of physical therapists. We have a clinical therapist. We have a psychophysiologist. We have nurse coordinator. We have PAs. We have a social worker that we work with to help our patients. 
And when you get something started like that, I know sometimes it can be hard to kind of get the word out or in a sense like change the culture, but maybe the anesthesiologists were so desperate to have someone come and help that wasn't <laughs> as hard for you or what, how, what was your experience as well, far as just getting your name out there is like, hey, we have this service because like it's not something that unless maybe there was a service where you were before that pediatricians or specialists in the hospital might not think first, oh, I need, uh, clearly I need a pain management person. Right. So it was actually kind of funny when I first started, you know, and this is two different worlds. So we have to think about the inpatient pain service world and then the outpatient chronic pain world. And when I first came in, um, we had no clinic. So I saw kids in the outpatient surgery holding area um, as my outpatient clinic. And then on inpatient side, we had, you know, maybe one or two patients that were floating out there. And I sat down with my medical director and I started crying and saying that I was going to get fired and there was going to be no job and I would never be able to help anyone. And, you know, what was I going to do? And he said, if you dream it, it will come. If you build it, they will come. And I said, okay, we'll see. So I started putting in the work of getting all of these ancillary services and going to committee meetings and meeting with various directors of different departments. And I would say within three to four, maybe six months, we had a regular consult service from the various physicians, both on inpatient and outpatient side, because they started recognizing the impact of pain in children and that this was something that we really needed to pay attention to. It was also the time when Jacob was coming and saying that pain assessment and treatment is the fifth vital sign and we need to pay more attention to it. So it happened to be you know, where I coincided with a need and um, was able to provide that service for a lot of our patients. Uh, That's actually kind of been an ongoing theme with the podcast with now two or three different people who started something new for our system. And it had to do with sort of system needs aligning with having a sort of physician voice, a physician champion could meet that need. And I think it's cool to see how those things can line up and you know, like I said, you were worried about even having a job really alter the direction of your life because I'm sure that at that at that moment in your medical director's office, you never thought this is what it would look like today. And it happened so fast, really, relatively, given the number of things that needed to happen. It happened pretty quickly, I would say. Right. No, it did happen very quickly. And I wasn't sure how the hospital would support having a pain management physician, but I really think it was that there was a need and there were so many kids that were suffering with chronic pain that doctors and, you know, people were just so happy to have a place to send these patients because they needed a lot of time and attention to spend with them, much more than could be given at an orthopedic post-operative visit or even during a well child exam or a, a pediatrician's office where they have 30 patients that are scheduled in a day, we schedule our new patient appointments for an hour and a half because we know that it's going to take time to go through this entire history of their pain history as well as their environmental history. And then to explain the diagnosis of chronic pain is difficult for a lot of people to hear that diagnosis and that condition. So I think people were really happy that there was a place where these kids could go. And then 
Uh, as far as the acute side, the surgeons were thrilled that there was someone else <laughs> to take over pain management and that we had things to offer like PCA pain pumps or epidurals or nerve blocks or um, massage therapy or, or those types of things. And there was a team that was going to come and see those patients every day and focus on their their pain management. Yeah, and so I see you like kind of had in, in mind to talk about the benefits to the referring providers. I think you've sort of outlined several here, you know, certainly decreased calls about pain because someone is helping you filter those. And because the pain is managed better, you're, you're going to get less, you know, there's going to be less demands on your time for that. But then clearly patient um, sort of satisfaction and not even their satisfaction, but patient well-being is going to be higher because their pain is managed. It's going to I think spill over into so many different aspects of their life beyond just sort of keeping that pain score low so Jayco won't be, you know, upset with you. Right, absolutely. And it's, you know, it's about even when I trained as a medical student and as a resident, I did a pediatrics residency before I did anesthesia. Oh, wow. So I had that experience of working in a pediatrician's office um, and doing inpatient hospitalist type of service and pain management was not a focus and it was not something that we even learned much about. And only through the extra training did I get more experience in learning that there's many different types of pain. Not all pain is the same and the treatment is not the same for all pain. So now we have so much fear of opioids and that fear is correct and it should be there. And I, I think, unfortunately, we're in the situation now that we never should have gotten into to begin with because opioids are only indicated for certain types of pain and not all pain. It's like if you have an ear infection and you give a child an antibiotic, you give them an antibiotic that covers a bacteria in their ear. You don't give them an antibiotic that covers a urinary tract infection. Even though it's an infection as antibiotics, it's not the same infection. Sure. So you have to you have to think about what is the right pain treatment and having a center where we can focus on that um, I think is beneficial for the patient. Sometimes it's not a quick answer or an easy solution and there's a lot of lifestyle modifications that have to be taken into account that can be frustrating mm -hmm. for parents and children and aren't what they want to hear but can be helpful for them in the long run. And you mentioned the opioid epidemic. Do you feel like that teaching that lesson to kids with chronic pain, a lot? how many of those kids go on to have chronic pain as adults? Like, is there a pretty good percentage that will persist into adulthood and could potentially become those people who are really having struggles with, with opioids later? There's a definite um, predisposition for developing ongoing or adulthood pain if you experience it as a child. However, the prognosis is better in the pediatric population. Learning pain behaviors from parents is also something that we take into account. And if you have a chronic pain condition, then opioids are not the treatment either in pediatrics or adults. And so we have the benefit of teaching prevention and lifestyle modification before we even get to that point. Yeah. So that is our goal, is to get working with kids and families to work on the benefits of really getting good sleep habits, learning that taking a sleeping pill is not the answer to learning good sleep habits, 
exercise and diet? How do we manage stress? How do we manage our time better? How do we make those choices that are going to be good for us in the long run than just looking at that short-term prize of, you know, let me take this pill and it should make it better because it won't. Right. Yeah. It certainly is not the long-term fix by any means and not going to be what really provides relief to the family for this situation experience that their child is going through. Exactly. Unless it's, you know, there, once again, there are certain indications for opioids and we know that certain, um, cancer patients or palliative care patients or some kids that have neurological disease or neuromuscular conditions like muscular dystrophy or or severe cerebral palsy, they're subject to some very debilitating chronic pain. And even those children haven't had a lot of attention in the pain arena over the last 40, 50 years. They, They haven't received much treatment. So, In those situations, opioids may be indicated, but really being able to sit down and and figure out what type of pain are you having so that we can treat it appropriately. And along those lines, is there anything new on the horizon for pediatric pain management that you're excited about or that's your particular maybe niche interest that you have in, in pain management? Once again, since there's only 35 clinics in the entire country, everything is new and exciting for us. Um, We have an inpatient pain rehab program that we admit kids to that have really functionally debilitating pain where they're not going to school, where they're not interacting with friends, where they're depressed and functionally disabled. And so there are only less than 10 of those centers in the country. So we're excited about developing our center, developing an outpatient rehab program. There are new medication trials um, that are in the works. There's a pediatric-based research company that we're working with now that does clinical trials only on pediatric patients in different arenas, and pain has become one of their focuses. So we're going to conduct some trials with them. And then working on um, developing more community education, trying to do maybe some camps, some parent symposiums, and really letting people know that there is help for for a child that suffers from chronic pain. So just a few things going on for you then. Just a, just a couple. <laughs> you, you sound like uh, uh, me, you know, you take on a certain something and then another idea sparks, you can't really put it down. So you just kind of keep a bunch of balls juggling in the air. But that's great. I think it, it, ser- <laughs> it serves your patients well because I think it keeps your mind uh, moving, doesn't let you get stagnant, which I think as physicians, that's one of a big danger for us is sort of to mm-hmm. lose that place to be creative or to and to lose that desire to learn and know more about what's going on with our patients. So Right. And we have a great team that works together. So it's not just me. It's our physical therapist. It's Dr. Brooks. It's Barbara, our nurse coordinator. It's Mandy, our pain coordinator. It's our PAs. You know, we're we're all working together to try to make things better for our kids. And we are working with grants and donations. We were just able to hire a full-time massage therapist for our inpatients. Dr. Brooks and I are both certified in medical acupuncture. So we're interested in incorporating that more for our patients, both on in and outpatient side. So 
We have a lot of services and things that we're all working on. And then two of our nurses just became trained in aromatherapy and essential oils as well. Oh, interesting. I've written on essential mm-hmm. oils for our hospital a few times. So that'll be interesting yes. to see what, what uh, comes out of that because you know there is so little research on their effects in kids and really very few trials, at least that have been like widely published that you can discover. And there may be some in right. the pain management world that I'm not aware of, but from a, a general population standpoint, it, the evidence is pretty sparse. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I've learned a lot. And so I really appreciate you taking the time to lay out sort of what you're doing in the pain management realm at Cook Children's. And I'd like to give you just a quick second to talk just how someone can access you if they um, either need uh, to send a patient your way or uh, need education about pain management in the pediatric population. What's the best way to get in touch with you? So um, we're very easy to get in touch with. You can always call the operator or you can call 682-885-7246. And those last four numbers actually spell pain. So 682-885-PAIN will get you in touch with our nurse coordinator or scheduling department and for any referrals or questions. And then we also have on the neurosciences pain management website for cooks. Okay. Yeah. And I was there today getting information. There's actually a lot of good information there as well, just to, to see kind of what the center is about and also just about pediatric pain in general. Yes. So um, thank you so much for coming on. And to the listeners out there, I hope that you've uh, learned something about pain management in general, but also specifically about you know how you can take even a, a need in a hospital. And if you have an idea and you're passionate about it, how you can fill that need and, and really develop an exciting and, and very fulfilling career for yourself and um, if you have any more questions for Arthi you can come on to checkupnewsroom.com slash pediatric leadership and the show notes for today's episode will include all the different ways to get in touch with her and lots of other information thank you very much you can find more episodes or if you'd like to suggest a segment go to checkupnewsroom.com slash pediatric leadership